Hello, and welcome to the Immigrants Incorporate podcast. I'm excited to share the conversation today with my guest, Hermi Osain. Hermi is a full-time female worker in the financial service industry based in Quebec, Canada. She has been working in this industry for about six years, and she comes from an educational background in finance. She is currently pursuing a CFA designation. In her free time, Hermi volunteers for courses such as women's empowerment and giving back to the non-privileged. As you would see from our conversation, she's also a big proponent of self-investing and continuous learning. She has her own blog and YouTube channel. She has also written her first book, Discovering Your Identity, A Rebirth from Interracial Struggle, where she talks about her own struggle in finding her identity. Hermi considers herself to be Italian Bengali. Ambitious and go-getter are the two words that describe her the most. Indeed, one of our big ambitious goals is to deliver a TED Talk. Hello and welcome to the Immigrant Incorporate podcast. On this podcast, you will learn from lived experiences how to thrive in the corporate workplace as an immigrant. My name is Lola Adeyemo. I am the CEO of EQI Mindset and the founder of the nonprofit Immigrant Incorporate Inc. I work with organizations to build inclusive workplaces. On this podcast, I will be amplifying immigrant voices from within corporate organizations through solo episodes as well as guest interviews. It is a global world of work, and I'm very sure you can learn a thing or two from my guests who are originally from different parts of the world and their experiences working in the corporate workplace. Hello and welcome to the Immigrants Incorporate podcast. I am excited to have a conversation with Hormi Osain today. Hi Hormi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us and, um, and being here today to chat with me. I'm going to jump right in and just ask you to share a little bit about your immigrant story. Let's get to meet you. Some of your, where you were born, your background and, and when you moved. Of course. So as you mentioned, my name is Olmi and I was born and raised in Italy. Uh, my parents are from Bangladesh, so they were actually immigrants when they first moved to Italy. Uh, they moved after marriage to start a new life and then I was born there. So I always tell people I am Italian by birth and Bengali by blood. And now I also tell everyone that I am Canadian by law because it has been so many years that I've been living in Canada that I got entitled to have the Canadian citizenship. So nice. uh, I did my whole life, my studies in Italy until I moved to Canada. Uh, I moved to Canada in 2010 for various reasons and one of them being uh, me wanting to study in Canada and I've been working in the financial services industry for about six years. Okay, okay, yeah. Definitely a mix of different <laughs> beautiful uh, ethnic background. Oh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, so you immigrated to Canada. Did you work um, in your own country before you moved or did you just moved from school? Um, no, I did not work when, when I was in my home country because I was 18. Okay. Um, okay. I was 18 when I moved and that, that was the thing. My parents didn't want me to work because it was like, I'm going to provide everything for you. 
Um, so that's why I only started to move after I moved from Italy to Canada. And it all started okay. with a part-time job. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I, I always ask that because sometimes you also bring that perspective of working from in, in corporate world from back home and working in the corporate world in a different country. Well, all right. So can you share a little bit about your entry into the corporate world? Now, um, what's your career background and what did you study and what are the experiences, some of the key experiences and milestones in your career that have guided your journey so far? So I come from an educational background in finance. Uh, I did this bachelor degree in finance and I also uh, completed the honors program in finance. So it took me literally five years to finish the program, especially because I had to complete some extra courses being myself an immigrant and I didn't uh, pursue the college in, uh, in Canada. And I would say my career in finance has been tough and eye-opening. Uh, so it all started basically, I would say, in 2014, 2015. This is when I started to like look for a job. I was looking for an internship and I was looking for like an internship where I could get like an experience in the real world. And I can tell you it was so tough. It was so tough for different reasons. One, because I didn't have any sort of experience. Um, two, because I didn't have the education required, like some jobs required that you had to complete a, a, a certain certifications and some jobs required that you had like a certain language uh, knowledge. So it was, it was really tough. And I remember when I was in university, I would go to networking events. Uh, but the, this was the thing I would never network. I would just go for free food, to be honest. And then the, the harsh reality came when I had to graduate. So when I graduated, I had to look for a job because, you know, like you have to pay your bills and you have to like survive in a way. So then what happened is I actually, it just happened by chance and I went to this career fair and I was very serious about it. I gave my resume to this, uh, to this woman for, for this American company and I said this is my resume I'm looking for experience and I got really lucky because after two weeks she called me I did the interview and that's how I started my career in finance so I worked for this uh, investment management company and I worked there for two years and then after working there for two years I still felt like I didn't I didn't quite I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to go with my life and what I wanted to do so I kept doing the same thing that I just like like I had to change job because my company, my department was outsourced uh, elsewhere. Uh, so I looked for this other company because a friend of mine was like, oh, you know what, there are a position open. So if you want to come, just join. And again, I didn't do any sort of like networking. I just find out from her and I applied. And for some reason, I got the job. And this is when I started to realize that I actually have to do something if I want to stay in this industry. And little by little, I started to understand the importance of having a LinkedIn profile and the importance of networking. So the toughest moment came pretty much during the pandemic. So what happened is I worked for the second company for four years and I gained a lot of experience, especially in compliance. But as as like everyone else, I was also like looking for a change. But I, at this at this moment in my life, I feel like I know my direction. So I looked for many jobs and believe it or not, I just kept getting a lot of rejections. So maybe now I had the skills, I had the experience, but I, stopped, I still kept getting rejected. And in finance, uh, being so male-dominated, I also started to realize that a lot of the interviews I went to were mainly 
male dominated. Uh, people interviewing me were were men. Com- people working in this company were men. So that was making me a little bit uncomfortable because I was like, I don't see the diversity. I don't see the representation. I don't see gender equality. I'm not sure if I want to be like part of these companies. But then I try not to let that. Uh, I didn't let that put me down because I was like, you know what, it's probably a good thing I could live by example and still pursue with that. So I was like, you know what, it's it's still okay. Um, so at the end, what happened is for a good full year, I went for for a job search. I did so many interviews, like believe it or not, I think every company in this country interviewed me. And then after one year of trying, I finally got to have three interviews uh, three offers from these amazing companies. And I finally actually got, got to work in the company of my dreams, which was a company I wanted to work for when I was in university. So we're talking about like 2016, 2015. So I finally feel like I made it. And I back in the days, I tried to work for this company and I was always getting rejected. But now finally I made it. And like, I'm super happy about how everything went, uh, like how everything uh, worked out worked basically. Out. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Well, congratulations on getting, <laughs> getting, you know, I know what that's like, setting your sights on an organization and uh, just going for it. So I wanted to ask you a question about your experience getting in, right? You talk about having to apply multiple times. First, were you an international student or were you a domestic student? when you Yeah, yeah I was local, so I was never oh, yeah, international, yeah. Okay. So did you, um, when you were trying to find jobs and, and you had almost a year trying to switch uh, jobs be, after the uh, internship company, what, what are some of the barriers that you, what do you think around why it took you so long? Is that industry specific? Is that normal for everybody in that industry? Or is, did you think anything had to do with you personally? To be honest, I think it was like, different things i think first of all it was the experience the lack of experience and this is i think one of the biggest problems that no one ever hires you if you don't have the experience but in order for you to have experience you need someone to give you that so that was one of the biggest issues that i did not have any sort of experience in the corporate job in the corporate world uh, the second one was pretty much i would say because i didn't have the experience i didn't have the skills they needed or the certain or the specific knowledge for that industry you know there are some some specific things that we need like for instance excel this is one thing that everyone requires and i took some classes but i didn't do anything like practically in an actual workplace so that was an issue uh, i think the language and at some point was an issue too because where i live uh, montreal is very bilingual and I actually studied What's your native language. My native language? <laughs> it's Bengali and Italian. Okay, yeah. You didn't talk about that when you're talking about your background, because I think that's important. <laughs> so when you moved, you could speak English, but English wasn't your main language. Yeah, right? I was I would before moving to Canada, I was very, very fluent in English. I I I studied in English as well. Um, so English is my third language and then I have French, which is my fourth one. And I also did study French before coming. But the issue it was this is that in Montreal, they have they speak like uh, the Quebecois French. So it's a little bit more different from the one I studied when I was back at home, because the one in Europe, it's the French from France. So it's different. The accent is very different. It's very noticeable. And so I struggled a little bit because people would talk and I would like, 
not get them because I was like I don't know what you're saying so I had to take like I took some extra courses just because I wanted to revise my practice and just um, work on the grammar a little bit to revise it a little bit and I think um, like now I'm fi- I can finally say everyone I'm bilingual when it comes to like like I can finally say that because the place where I work right now is only it's mainly French and I can finally say that you know what I'm bilingual but a few years ago it was such a struggle like people really need someone who can speak both English and, and French and I remember it was a little bit of struggle because I maybe I was able to speak but I could not understand when they would talk because it's just so fast that they wanted they speak in Montreal that you know sometimes you can get lost so that was a big um that was also a big big concern but I took like classes I had friends from France I practiced with them during my lunch time so I tried to use like I tried to look up for resources and make sure that I was like improving this as much as I could because I think like it doesn't matter if you have like experience or not you need to know how to speak the language and I think this is one of the things that you need especially when you work in finance of course some not all the roles required but if you want to work for like big companies that are like Canadian you do need to speak both of them especially if you live in Montreal so that was one thing that I really felt like it was probably a big barrier and of course I also had to have some specific certification which I'm still pursuing and I think the fact that I'm like for instance pursuing my CFA designation is something that really opened a lot of doors because it's something that a lot of people pursuing the in the finance um in the financial industry and there's a lot of competition in Montreal and I think the fact that you if you have something extra it always gives you an edge compared to the other right. people right right and I, and I I think what you touched on is really important because I didn't even think about the fact that you have multiple languages in your background right and then I'm thinking you're in Canada and then I'm thinking English right and maybe a little bit of French, but you're talking about even different French, right? Yes. From what you were speaking uh, from back home. So I, I think when we talk about communication, when we talk about language, it's usually the, the biggest barrier that immigrants um, encounter, and it could look very different. So in the part of Canada where you are, French is the primary language or English? We live in Quebec, where it's bilingual, but... Uh... I mean, technically, it should be both, but because we're in Quebec, I think they give a little bit of more preference to our French. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is this is this where you went to school? Uh, no. So this school, so the university I did was mainly mainly in English, because we have in Montreal we have universities which are just in English, and we have those that are just in French. Okay. For the program that I did, uh, it was better that I went to the English one because the university offered a better uh, a program. Uh, so you can you can choose when it comes to university, but in Montreal, when you are um, like going to primary school and stuff like that, I think it's mainly in French. Oh wow! Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. So you you chose the English program. Yes. When you got in the workplace, and it was more of the learning the French, really using the French um, in Quebec for for work. Yes, but I had to. So basically, my two previous work experience were um, what one of the company, uh, one of the companies was uh, basically American. So you didn't need to speak 
uh, French because we were dealing with clients that were based in the States. And the second company that I worked for was basically based in Cayman Islands. So again, you didn't need to use uh, French. It was mainly an English environment. But I've been a little bit fed up of working in an English environment. And I know that if I want to work in better companies, I have to work on my French. So this is something that I did on my own. Like no one actually like told me it was on my own working on it with like podcasts, YouTube videos, blogs, uh, taking courses, practicing my speaking. This is something that I did on my own because I know that if I want to like succeed, I need that. So when I went to interviews, so this is another thing is that when we go to interviews in Montreal, they're bilingual. So they're both in English and in French and they test in both languages. And I knew that if I wanted to get a job, I had to work on it. So I think this is how I was able to get three offers because all the interviews that I went for, they were both like in, in both languages, the interviews. So they were able to test it. Right. So how does that work? Right. Like they actually conduct, they ask you specific questions in English and then in French. Yeah. So they could like, let's say the first few questions could be in English and then they might say, OK, uh, we would like to switch in French and we're going to ask you this one question just to see uh, if you're able to answer it. But it's okay. not like 50 50, like for the ones that I did, it was probably one or two questions in French okay. and then the next one's in English. But, but they, they make it clear to you that we are testing your French. They're not saying we're testing you, but they will probably say, "Okay, we want to see if you're if you can if you can answer in in French in, because in French. it's maybe bilingual position. Maybe it's a bilingual position. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay, that is um interesting. So did you did you think about? Well, let's go back to your native language, right? So right now you are still working in Quebec and English and French. So when you talk to your family, do you have to? do the switch <laughs> to your <laughs> language so this is the thing i so when i talk to my parents they, they live in uk i speak to them in bengali and italian um in montreal like in my household we speak like a little bit of bengali we speak uh, english and uh and my sister is here so we speak italian so i'm always like mixing everything like it's a it's like a mix of things with me crazy that is crazy and i know you know i i wanted to really talk about this because when it comes to um accents uh -huh, right one of the things around immigrants that people used to identify or recognize an immigrant is your accent and i always look at it like this person who has an accent probably speaks more languages than you can. And you're making a judgment on skills because of the accent. The accent yeah. is actually showing that this person has more um, language skills. Yes. And, and is juggling a lot. So I think we've kind of already started going into the third section, which is how are you thriving at this immigrant intersection? And, and a big part of this is communication. Yes. So what are some of the tools? Did, did somebody coach you? Did somebody talk to you? How did you navigate? Do you have a community that you that helped you? You know what? It was a lot of, um, I want to say self-independence work. I don't know if this exists, but I, everything that I did was just things that I learned on my own. And I did my own research to figure out how mm -hmm. to like excel so for instance, like just to tell you how I have succeeded. So 
for instance, with the language, I have like did I did courses. I have friends with who I just speak only in French. I attended like a workshop in French. I did conversation groups in French. That was one thing. Uh, the other thing that was most very important for me was having a LinkedIn profile because I never had it. So this is the thing is that back in Italy, no one has a LinkedIn profile. Like they don't really. It's not emphasized to have one. Uh, because even when I speak to my friends in Italy, they're like, yeah, LinkedIn is not big as much as it is in the States or in Canada. So mm-hmm. I I only created my LinkedIn profile literally three years ago, but I'm glad that I did that because I had people like connect with me and telling me, okay, there is this job. Are you interested to do a, a, like an interview? Because you have like uh, headhunters like hunting you. And so I'm glad that I did that. And I'm glad that I did that because I did not realize that I had so many things that I could show to people because sometimes it's not just about work experience, but it's also extracurricular activities. And I had so many and they value, employers value that. So it's important right. to put that. So I did put that, I put all these extracurricular activities and that's also how I got connected. People would look at my profile and they would see me probably like they saw me as a fit and they would contact me. Right. Um, and then I joined basically because you spoke about communication. I joined Toastmaster Club, which is a public speaking club. I joined that and I'm so glad I did because it helped me so much to uh, handle impromptu speeches because they really you practice your impromptu speeches and you need those when you go for a job interview because during right. the job interview, don't, you do not know what they're going to ask you. So I, I, I go to the Toastmaster Club, I practice my impromptu speeches, and I'm able to like answer questions. So that helped me a lot. And then the fact that I actually built a network and I, and I cannot like stress enough how important it is to have a network, a network, because I did not I did not have a network. I did not care about network, but I realized that it's only through recommendation and reference that you're able to like, you know, get into a company. And this is what happened with me, like in my own experience. So these are some of the things that I did. And the last one is uh, I built my own personal brand in the last um, few years, like through my YouTube channel and blog. Uh, it's I, And I think it's because like when you have this extra things it just gives something to a potential employer like it just shows what kind of person you are and I noticed that the people that like offer me jobs and stuff like that they did watch some of my stuff and they really liked it so it really shows that you have something extra and so I did a lot of work on my own just to like see how I could excel and honestly it worked it worked fine like it's working yeah Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I love that. I love hearing about that because I also love LinkedIn, but it's one of those things where it's not everybody that is on LinkedIn. It's not everybody that is using it properly. Um, because I, I liken it to, if you want to go to an Ivy league school, you don't just say, because I have the right GPA, I'm going to get in. You have to do a lot of extras and you have to show them these other extras. So there's nothing that helps you do that in the professional space like LinkedIn because you are connecting with a network but you're also showcasing your skill set. Yeah. So how did you discover LinkedIn and did you get any professional help building your LinkedIn? (laughs) So I 
this is the thing i wanted to create a linkedin profile back in 2015 but i never did that i'm telling you i was like i don't know why i didn't i told myself because you talked about like gpa i had a good gpa and i thought oh as long as i have a good gpa someone will hire me but i'm so wrong about that like no one is gonna hire if you have a good gpa and and even when I started working, I still didn't have LinkedIn. And basically what happened is I got introduced to LinkedIn from uh, like from one of my closest friends. We were just talking and she was telling me like, like, why are you not on LinkedIn? Like, if you want people to like hire you, if you want to get connection, if you want to work somewhere, you need to have this because it will show who you are to the world. So I didn't get like, I attended like a few workshops and even attending a few workshops, I, I still didn't create a LinkedIn profile. It was only pretty much like three years ago that I was like, you know what? I think it's time that I create one. And then I watched a bunch of videos on YouTube because we have like uh, coaches on YouTube that teach you how to create a LinkedIn profile. I watch a lot of that. And that's how I try to like work on my LinkedIn profile. So I was literally introduced by a friend and I used YouTube as my, it was literally my best friend when it came to like, creating a LinkedIn profile. That's awesome. That's amazing. There's so many, there's a ton of resources out there, um, especially if you're trying to grow a corporate career. And, and as immigrants, a lot of times we don't know, like you said, it's different in Italy than in Canada. So we have to also understand what are the things that gives us an advantage where we are, not necessarily what worked in our home country, right? So this is an example of that. It's not, might not be as appreciated in in italy to be on linkedin and have a professional presence uh but it's definitely a big part of um in north america especially um it is and i think it's growing globally as well you know um, yeah i guess so i do still think that in italy it's not as used as much because like i still talk to my high school friends and they do have a linkedin profile at least some of them but it's like they don't write too much on it because they're like we don't use it they, they said they don't use it and this is the other thing is that um i since i still talk to some of my friends uh who live in italy they were telling me that in italy like usually when someone works they just stick to that company until they retire whereas in canada i notice that people just keep hopping from one job to another a lot in italy you don't do that it's not common to do that it's very unusual if you keep like changing job after a year or two it's not like something that people do this is one thing i noticed and when i do compare like my life like the work life in the the work situation in canada and how it is uh, back in italy like i do feel like people in canada especially like montreal i noticed this after i moved is that people are very like competitive like there's a lot of competition because people do a lot of things like in terms of education and work experience so you can see that they're always improving themselves but in Italy, there's no such thing. Like people, it, it, if they can go to high school or get to university, they're happy with that. They're literally happy with that. So Yeah, definitely cultural differences. And yeah, I appreciate you talking about that. If you were speaking to other immigrant professionals or maybe international students, teenagers who are coming in from Italy, like you did a couple of years ago now, you know, looking back, what are some of the advice that you would give them? Um, especially if they want to get into corporates and, and thrive in their career? So I did get this question asked from someone um, 
through someone that I tutor and basically this person some of these people they're students they want to move to Canada mm-hmm. and their biggest concern is always the language and I actually told them that if you do want to live in Montreal because when it comes to studying it's okay you can choose the language like you can choose it you know it's not an issue but if you want to live and work here you need to make sure that you know the language um, like maybe we're moving a little bit to English I don't know but I think you still have to make sure that you do know at least an intermediate level of French uh, because you need that to work in uh, in Quebec so that's one thing that I would tell them is to make sure that you know at least you are aware of this that there might be a language barrier and that would be like one thing that I would tell to all the international students and also another thing that would uh, I would tell people especially people that want to move to to Canada to work is to be aware of the cultural differences and the reason why I'm telling you this is because I had someone who came from India and she had only work experience in India so she moved to Canada and she was telling me about this big like she had I think a cultural shock because basically I think back at home in India People tend to be really loud in their office. But here in Canada, she notices everyone is quiet. So this this was something that I think she was like, it's like, is this normal? I said, this is very normal. This is how we work. And also when it comes to that, is that another thing that people should be aware of because I was talking to someone about this is that there is an um, address etiquette that people should be aware of. Like, in some in some countries it's okay however you dress but especially in Canada like you want to be aware of of this cultural difference when it comes to also dressing to go to an office and this may be for granted but it's really not because there are still some people that you know they might be a little bit too revealing and that's one thing that I noticed so to be aware of this and also the body language that's so important you know what might be like you know maybe in some countries it's okay to be too close to someone for your boss and stuff like that but in some other countries, you want to keep a distance and you want to, like, put some limits and boundaries. And I think this, these are so important when it comes to, like, working in another country. So these are some of the things I would definitely uh, suggest someone to do, like, the research on. And, of course, to do a lot of research when it comes to, like, the cost of living. Um, people might not be aware on things like how much it costs to live in a country, what are some of your expenses, what the government covers for you. And these are like basic things that people should be doing the research on. And right. and it, like I know it sounds like super simple, but I think it sometimes I, it's I don't overlooked. Think it's simple, though. <laughs> I don't think it's simple. <laughs> I think you're touching on something really important, especially for an immigrant. Um, I think especially if you've worked in a different country, right? There are a lot of immigrants that are already working when they decide to immigrate, right? So they think I'm already an experienced corporate employee, so I know all the rules. But you have to investigate. You have to do your research based on where you are going, right? If if you're coming to U.S., fine, you can focus on English. Uh, But even speaking English is different when you're coming to um, U.S. or uh, British English, right? So there are still differences, um, even within the same language. So, yeah, um, that's important. Yes, yes, the language is so important, and I also like the language is so important. But I also feel like the cost of living is so important because everyone that I meet, they keep asking about how much does it cost to live to, in Montreal, and I always have to emphasize to them that you know, like 
living in Montreal is a one thing. And if you want to live somewhere that is not in Montreal, it's a different cost of living too. So like if you live in right. Toronto, it's a different cost of living and stuff like that. So these are things that, you know, people should do research on. It's not so like, right. um, it's it's not the same. And I have, I told this to many people that wanted to move to Montreal. I said, it's not the same. You have to make sure, you want to make sure that you know where you're going to. Of course, some kind, some cities like Toronto, they have much like opportunities but of course it costs a little bit more compared to montreal and of course montreal if you want to live here there is this whole thing with the language so right and and that's where the difference goes right the reason why especially cost of living is also important is um a lot of times as immigrants when you are negotiating for your salary for a corporate job you are comparing it to your own right no you have to compare your salary to the standard of living where you're going and what the pay rate is for everybody else because i've seen immigrants that move and accept a job offer because the offer sounded really good and then moving to a place like um like uh, northern california in the u.s and you realize my pay is one of the lowest i can't even afford you know to live and survive on this Yes, and to touch on that, I do want to add one more thing because, for instance, like here in Canada, they usually like no one is supposed to be asking how much you're making, but how much you want to make. But for instance, back in Italy, it's normal to ask how much you're making. So that's like you want to be like these are little things that you want to pay attention. Like I think these cultural differences they do make a difference. Right. Yeah. So if you are used to saying what you're making um back home <laughs> and then you're moving to a different country you don't understand where you have a right to not say to not share they are not supposed yeah. to ask you legally it's also a huge advantage for you yeah. um to also know thank you so much yeah i think you really uh, this is why i like talking to people who are in different countries too because when we talk about working in corporate as an immigrant it's different depending on the country where you are in um, the challenges are the same, you know, but you have to ask specific questions based on where you're going and, yes. and where you want to work. Yes. Right. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think you talked about communication a lot. You talked about just taking the initiative, doing your research. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add as far as your work style? Um, just working in, in Canada now, what are, how do you think being an immigrant has helped you? And, and any, any tips there? There are some things that I learned a lot, and I think um, one of them is about the soft skills, like some of the things that I didn't think I needed them, that I actually have used them a lot, especially when it comes to like communication skills, uh, uh, public speaking skills, teamwork skills. Uh, being detail oriented and I feel like these skills like whatever skills that you can you're able to leverage from previous experience do that and I think a lot of the things like so far what I have noticed in every job that I went is that these are main skills that everyone is looking at like leadership uh, communication teamwork and being detail oriented these are some of the things that everyone should be like working on and i think that if you as a person you're always investing yourself it's it's a good thing it just shows that you are like you do have an initiative and that you do have leadership skills and you get recognized and i think one big thing that i learned is that people really care more about the soft skills rather than their hard skills because you know you can always teach everyone like 
you know, something you can get it through like education, through a book, but you can never teach soft skills. And it's important to have those soft skills and a strong work ethic. So, so those are some of the things I learned. Especially working in teams, right? We all yeah. work in global teams, local teams. So yeah, it's important. Thank you so much, Rami, for joining us and for sharing. I, I think you dropped a lot of really great insights. And uh, I usually end with a final question. <laughs> if you were to share a dish, maybe a snack or fruit with your co-workers, uh, if you were to share something, some meal with your co-workers at your new home, uh, that is from your home country, what would that be and why? Okay, just because I have two cultures in me, I'm going to say like one for each. Uh, so the first one is pasta. And that's like from my, like where I was born, Italy. And the second one oh, yeah. is is birani. And that's because where my parents are from, that's also part of me. And I would like to choose those one because um, I would say those are like, as like the national food. And also because, and also because I think both dish although they're different they do have this one common characteristic is that they unify they bring people together and usually when you're eating birani you eat it with your family or friends and when you eat pasta it's the same ah. thing so that's why i would like oh. to choose both those two. <laughs> oh, that's cool i didn't know that so when you're eating i mean these are meals that uh the international versions are available but i didn't know that traditionally when you eat those meals you actually eat it together as part of a group yeah i mean if you um, i don't know if like in italy for instance like sundays usually on sundays families get together and they just eat like there is no tomorrow and pass is one of the main dish and the same thing for us too like for the bengali culture when we have like festivities like we get together and we eat like there is no tomorrow and there is always the rice dish is always there and we always have like chicken, fish, and we have biryani. So those are like food is what brings us together, basically. Oh, I love that. And biryani is the rice base with, is that it's, biryani? It's rice with chicken or beef or shrimp. A bit of vegetables. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I think I've added that Indian restaurant. It's where <laughs> I've had it. It's probably made in a different way. Thank yeah. you so much. Me. It was so nice having uh, this conversation with you. And congratulations on all your achievements. I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, there's a long way to go, but you are doing great. You are thriving and I appreciate you mentoring and sharing. Thank you. Thank you for joining me, Lola Adeyemo, as always, for these important conversations on the corporate world of work from the immigrant perspective. For more resources and upcoming events, please visit our website, www.immigrantsincorporate.org. You can also follow us on Instagram at Immigrants Incorporate. If you are on LinkedIn, please join the group Thriving in Intersectionality-Immigrants Incorporate America. There will be a new episode every week, so make sure you are subscribed to get notified. Please leave us a rating, leave a review, and I hope to see you next time. Thank you.